And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hi, good evening everybody. Um, as mentioned, I am Ben Baker. I was, am a member of St. John's, have been for a number of years, was a member of the youth group Legacy, uh, went off to university last year, uh, started my course in Leeds. Um, I'm back now uh, because I went to China for five and a half months and realised I didn't like Chinese anymore. People often ask me, uh, what did you do in China? You might not recognise me because all I, all I did out there was grow my hair long. Um, I've not preached for a while, um, but it's a great privilege and honour to be up here again. I want to say thanks to Eddie for having me uh, preach and for giving me such a great passage. Um, but before I get into that, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's relevant uh, as much today as it was nearly 2,000 years ago uh, when this letter was written, I pray that you open our hearts uh, and excite us to know you better. In the power of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, I did mention it is a great passage. However, when I first read it, I wasn't too sure on it. Um, I didn't really think much of it. It was a bit like, oh, can't I have something easier um, yeah, it's about knowing Christ, but I mean, it's not too explicit if you go from verse 12, which was what originally I was uh, talking about or given to preach on, uh, until I had a conversation with my dad and said, no, this is one of my favorite passages to preach on. So I thought, oh, right, okay, better have another look at this and really go into it. I'll give you a brief outline of where I want to head. Uh, three points. If you're making notes, maybe you want to jot them down. I will go over them again as we get to them. Uh, the first point is, what is the goal? The second one is, how do we achieve it? Looking at what does Paul say we can do to achieve that goal? And then thirdly, why does it concern us? Why in 21st century Britain, in the midst of Brexit and all the political uncertainty, so what? Why does it matter a letter written nine, uh, 1,950 years ago? Why does that matter to us? So what is our goal? From verse 12 to 14... 
Paul says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press, hold, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining on towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. The theme of the preach is knowing Christ, and therefore you'd think that the goal could quite simply just be to know Christ. But I think it goes deeper than that, and I really want to explore, one, what does it mean to know Christ, but two, is there something else that we should be aiming towards? In fact, I've got a friend who I lived with at university last year who studies theology back in Leeds. Um, She studies Jesus' life. She knows of Jesus. She knows about Jesus. She believed he was a real person, and he did some of the stuff that it says in the Bible. But actually, to her, knowing Jesus means nothing. So I'd argue that there must be something more that Paul is talking about than simply knowing Christ, knowing about him. And for me, being a Christian, I've always believed, as a follower of Christ... Isn't it our goal to be more like Christ, to try and be Christ? This left me with the question, is Paul saying our goal is to know Christ or be like Christ? But I'd argue that actually these are two of the same thing. If you want to be like Christ, you have to know who he is. And if you know who Christ is, you can't help but want to try and emulate him, to try and strive towards being like him. Back in verse 10, when Paul uses the word known, it doesn't just mean to know of or to know about or to know someone as you might a loose uh, friend or colleague. No, it means to know Jesus in a relationship, in a deep relationship. One of the, in one of the commentaries I was reading, uh, they said the word used in verse 10, to know, is similar in Greek to that of the meaning back in Genesis where it says Adam knew his wife, Eve. I'm not saying, Paul's saying we should have some kind of sexual relationship with God or Jesus. No, don't get me wrong. But what Paul is saying is we need that intimate side of the relationship. We should be aspiring to have that intimate relationship with Christ. And we can have that relationship. It is achievable today. But I still don't believe that our goal is just to simply have that deep relationship. It goes further than that. I still believe there's something about being like Jesus. In fact, a better translation of what is the goal is more, where do I fix my eyes? That's really what Paul's saying is, I strive to fix my eyes on Christ, to know Christ, to be like him, fix my eyes on him. What does that mean? Well, it kind of means if we're making decisions in our lives, we should be thinking about Jesus and not everyone else. I'll touch on that later. If I was to say to you, your aim for next week, your challenge, your encouragement is to be like Ben Baker, would you be able to do it? Aside from having to grow my hair, my dad's pointing at me there, he's not got any, he can't do it. (laughs) He'd fail straight away. Or maybe not. Because my point is, if you've just come in and this is the first time you've been introduced to me, you know a little bit about me. You might be able to say, you know of me, you know me. But who would be able to live out their life like me. Probably my parents and my girlfriend, one, uh, two of them have known me for nearly 20 years, one for a year. T- 
time isn't really important. It's the depth of the relationship they have with me. It's the knowledge of my life. Because they know me and have that deeper relationship, they would be able to be like me. It's the same with Christ. That's why they're linked. To be like Christ, we have to know him. So, second point, how can we achieve this goal? I want to look at this and explore it in two parts. One, looking at what Paul meant by knowing Christ, going back to verse 10, what does he mean? And then Paul, in verses uh, 15 to 19, says, follow my example. So I want to look at what, what does Paul mean by follow my example? I've just mentioned Paul wants to know Christ, verse 10. It says that. But it's not just head knowledge. I've already touched on that. No, it's not just knowledge of doctrine. It's not just knowing that Jesus did that miracle. He did this miracle two weeks ago on a Tuesday. He did this or that. Paul's idea of knowing Christ is an active involvement and an experience throughout your life. He goes on in verse 10 to expand knowing Christ in an intimate way through knowing the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. The power of the resurrection was that Jesus was raised from the dead. Dead, three days later, alive. But again, it's not just knowing that Jesus died and rose again, nor is it just believing that he died and rose again. It's allowing that fact to become our life. That's what Paul is touching on. It means knowing that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us as Christians through the Holy Spirit. Just stop and think about that for a moment. Imagine the power involved in raising someone from the dead. What is entailed in that? You know, that's the power in the resurrection. But Paul says about knowing the power of the resurrection. Well, the power of the resurrection is us living out that power in us in our daily lives. That's the power that transforms our lives. I know personally it changed my life in the past. It continues to change my life today. And it will change my life in the future. It's changed my attitude and it's given me a new purpose. It puts to death our old lives and it brings life to the full and to the purpose of God. It allows us to achieve that goal, to fix our eyes on Christ. Paul wants to know and experience it more. 65 years old, writing this in prison, coming towards the end of his life. He's known Jesus, he's known Christ, he's called himself a Christian for about 30 years. And he still wants to strive further, deeper, more intimately in his relationship. Do we? Paul also talks about knowing Jesus in the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. We can identify with Christ in his death and his suffering, symbolic in baptism, a death to our sins, rebirth again. But what Paul's saying is actually indicating a desire to share in the same suffering that Jesus experienced when he was on the cross throughout his life. Now, I'm not saying we have to go out of our way and go and find somewhere to be persecuted physically. I had a chance in China, uh, five and a half months there. I wasn't waving my arms saying, Chinese government, I'm a Christian, please stone me, throw me in prison. No, that's not what Paul's getting at. 
But what he is saying is that he knows and we should know that following Christ entails 100% commitment, a preparation to suffer as he did. At Paul's time, there's a great deal of physical suffering. He uh, suffered physically as a Christian. He also implemented it when he was a Jew. Back in Acts 5, it talks about it. Today for us, it might be how we are treated at work by colleagues, by friends, by family. The butt of jokes, not being able to express ourselves how we really want to. That's suffering for Christ, but in a different way. It might be the fact that we can't go out and evangelize the way we used to 50 years ago. We are all still suffering for Christ. And it's important to remember that and to know that in that suffering, you can come to know Christ better. And as I mentioned before, we can also know Christ better and be more like him and keep our eyes fixed on him through Paul's example. In verse 12, Paul said, uh, I'm not yet at the goal. I'm not, I've not yet arrived. I've not achieved it yet. He's kind of clearing up. He's not saying I'm perfect. He's not claiming to be Jesus. But what he is saying is, although I'm not perfect, I'm still tri- striving towards that goal. I'm still going and I want to get closer. He's saying, I've taken that step forward in trusting the Lord, in trying to find him. Come on, guys, follow with me. How does he do this? Verse 13, Paul talks about forgetting what is behind us and straining on towards what is ahead. As Chris mentioned uh, two weeks ago, the last talk uh, in this series, Paul had a great CV as a Jew. He did everything right. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, I think I'm right in saying that. He was a Pharisee. He followed the Jewish laws. He persecuted Christians. He had it sorted as a Jew. But actually, as Chris went to explain, he said, or Paul felt, he was at loss for not knowing Christ. We've all done things wrong in our past. I have. I'm pretty sure you all have as well. So has Paul. We might not be on the same level as persecuting Christians, but we've all got things which try and hold us back. Paul's saying, forget that. And you might be saying, Ben, how do I forget that? I'm a human, we can't forget that. And you're right to be saying that. You know, even Paul said that early in chapter 3, in the talk a couple of weeks ago, verses 4 to 6, Paul detailed, uh, outlined his Jewish life. It's obvious he hadn't forgotten it. But really what Paul's saying is, don't remember it. Don't bring it to the present. Leave that behind. If you're looking behind you, you can't be focusing your eyes on knowing Christ, on knowing Jesus, on letting him influence your decisions today. You're giving the devil power and a hold of your life today if you are looking back and overthinking things from your past. But Paul's not just saying forget the bad things from the past. He's saying forget the good things as well, which is quite hard for us to do. We want to hold on to things which make us feel good. I remember when I was 12 years old and I, did, uh, I got baptized and on the same day I did my first little part of a preach um, and I remember thinking, I kind of got a buzz and was like, oh, yeah, if I have one friend who can come to Christ, then I'll spend the rest of my life living happily thinking, yes, there's one more person in heaven because of a conversation I had. 
Uh, five years later, when I was 17 in China, I met a friend, uh, made a friend with an Italian called Luca, had a conversation about what my life meant as a Christian. He went home uh, and later became a Christian, gave his life and wanted to follow Jesus. This summer just gone, uh, he brought another 12 Italians, I think it was, to Soul Survivor with St. John's. Mental week, but well worth it. But if I was to continue living my life, looking back on that, thinking I achieved my aim, I did something good, I think if I was to get to 90 and look back and have spent my whole life looking back, thinking, oh yeah, way back then when I was 17, I had one friend who became a Christian, I'd feel like I was missing out on something. I'd feel a little bit empty. I'd feel like I'd spent so long looking behind that I didn't enjoy the now or the future. That's what Paul's saying. Another way to think of it, mentioned in, um, I think, the last song about hurdles, I don't know, I certainly do remember the London 2012 Olympics seven years ago. Wow, seven years have flown by, have they not? I don't know if anyone watched the hurdles at the Olympics or have seen hurdling before. I know at least two people in here have hurdled for school in the last year, and I am looking at my brothers there. They are better at athletics and running than I ever was. But when you're on the hurdles, they'll testify to this, anyone who's done the hurdles before. If you uh, are running in the hurdles, you can win and have hit every hurdle on the way. You can knock over every hurdle. As long as you're across the line first, you've won. Paul's saying, forget your failures. Like when a hurdle runner hits a hurdle, he doesn't stop, look back, see, oh, the hurdle's fallen over, that's it, my race is over, I'm giving up, I'm not going to run and fix, keep my eyes fixed on the finish line. That's what their goal is. No, they keep going, the next one. Maybe the next one I won't hit, or the one after that. Equally, if a hurdler jumps over the hurdle, they don't stop, look back and go, hey guys, look, it's not even wobbling anymore. I cleared that really well. No, they keep their mind and their eyes focused on finishing, keep running towards the end. That's what we need to do. That's what Paul's saying. Keep your eyes, keep your goal, keep your aim fixed on Jesus. Verses 17 to 19, Paul says, Follow my example. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. common consensus is that Paul was talking about another group of Christians or people who claimed to be followers of Christ that had lost their way. They didn't strive and keep their eyes focused on Jesus. They decided to satisfy their stomachs, get caught up in earthly things, find their glory in their shame. How similar does that sound to the age we live in today? Nearly 2,000 years ago, Paul's writing about a group of people we still find ourselves living in and around and if I'm being totally honest it sounds a little bit like myself coming back from China a lot of things going on I've got to find a job switching courses my house for next year will I be in Leeds will I be in London what's going on not bad things to be concerned with 
in themselves. But I found myself worrying about that so much, I'd stopped having my own quiet time with the Lord, reading the Bible, praying. I was so caught up in these earthly things that I'd lost my focus, my aim, my goal, fixing my eyes on Christ had disappeared. Paul says, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. He's telling us to surround ourselves with like-minded Christians, people who will keep us striving towards the goal, towards knowing Christ, towards being like Christ. I experienced the consequence of not doing this firsthand last year at university as a fresher. I mean, in sick form, you've got parties, people start drinking, some people start taking drugs. It's there. You go off to university. Oh, boy, it wasn't there before. It definitely is now. It's crazy. The alcohol, the drugs, the sex, left, right, and center, everywhere you go, it's there. Unfortunately, I got caught up in some aspects of that. As a consequence, I had to take a bit of an extreme, but I had to cut some people out, some people who I was friends with, were leading me astray. I don't know if you've ever tried, maybe when you were younger or as a kid, try to look in both directions with your eyes. You can't do it. I'll stop you all trying to cross your eyes now. <laughs> but that's, that's what's going on. That went on with my life. I tried to keep one eye fixed on Christ, but another eye fixed on my friends and everything around me and getting caught up in the world. And it didn't work I slowly realized both my eyes were focusing on the world and everything going on there. I had to cut some things out and be like, no, I want my focus, my aim, my goal to be on Christ. To let him influence my decisions, not society. We can also look at the greater example of how Paul led his life. He didn't hide his faith. He was in prison. He didn't even deny his faith. He was like, I'm going to stick out prison because... I know and believe in my Christ, in Jesus as my saviour. He wasn't scared to do so. And what about reading our Bible and praying? Praying is incredibly important if we want that intimate relationship with Jesus, with God. You don't have a conversation If you don't have a conversation with someone, how are they going to know you? You can't have a deep relationship, an intimate relationship, without talking to someone. That's really where prayer comes into this. And reading your Bible? Well, Paul didn't have a Bible. And my point with this is that he was living out the New Testament. We often read our Bibles. What do we take away from it? If we are to follow Paul's example, we have to live out the Bible Today, in 21st century London, we have to take what we're reading, the Bible, and bring it into our lives. Because otherwise, if we're really reading our Bible, we're just like my friend at university studying theology. We're gaining all this head knowledge, but it's not playing out in our lives. And that's where it's most important. Seeing the power of the resurrection in our lives every day. You might be saying, Ben, well, why does this concern us? What's this mean for me now? Paul says, I think in verse 20 is, our citizenship is in heaven. That's why we're not called to be like everybody else here on earth. Our true home is in heaven. That's where our hearts should be set. 
If our ambitions are sensual, our thoughts will be earthly. If our ambition is to know Christ, our hearts will soar into heavenly places. The desire of every Roman colony, like those in, and that in uh, Philippi, was to have the emperor visit. And from AD 48, the emperor was given the title Saviour of Mankind. As Christians, we have a different saviour, and that saviour is Jesus Christ. And we await our heavenly saviour. The emperor might bring gifts of tax, tax relief, or just gifts themselves, what does our saviour bring us? Well, in verse, uh, carries on after verse 20, Paul says that he will transform our bodies from lowly bodies to glorious bodies like his. Our bodies wear out, and therefore, if we make a god out of them, of course our, our destiny will be in destruction. Our bodies are going to fade away. However, If we seek to know Christ and God's glory and allow him to transform our lives, he promises us he will transform our bodies of sin and decay to be like his glorious body, which will never age or decay. We have the promise of something great in the future. True. For some of us, heaven might seem further away than others. So you might ask again, Ben, still, what does this have for me today in my life right now? Well, I want to encourage you to get to know Christ. Know the power of the resurrection. Know what it can do. Know that it can transform your life today. It can give you a new purpose. It gives and should give us a new purpose every day when we wake up in the morning. Thinking, oh, I need to realign. I need to fix my eye on Christ again. I need to think about what he would do as I go and make my decisions today. Maybe it's your first time hearing about this and, and you want to know more. Um, you will think, I, I might want to know more about Christ or maybe I want to know Christ and I really want to give my life to him. That's amazing. And I'd really encourage you to, I think we're going to have a time of prayer later on, to come and speak to Eddie, the vicar, or Neil, or myself, or I think there might be some, someone else, uh, over at the cross afterwards as a time of response. I do really encourage that. Or maybe... You know, you've been a Christian for a while, but you want to know Christ again and you want to really make that step, say, yes, I'm following in Paul's example and I want to reaffirm that faith. Again, I encourage you to come over for prayer or pray by yourself. Or maybe you've been a Christian for 30 years like Paul has, but you still want to go deeper. We can all still go deeper and more intimate in our relationship with Christ. For me, I know that I need to fix my eyes and uh, put my focus back on Jesus. I'm looking for a job at the moment. Um, And it means when I do eventually get a job, I don't want to hide my faith anymore. I want to start making decisions in my life for Christ. I want to challenge you out there to think about, in the time of reflection after this, where has my focus shifted? Where are there times that I used to look to Christ and think about how he would live my life, what decisions he would make differently, and leave you with the encouragement of knowing that if you do choose to seek Christ, if you do fix your eyes on him, 
your life will be transformed. Thank you.